Hello and welcome to episode 9 of season 10. Now in this episode I bring Kate Hamlet back and we go into more detail about creating a healthy home, looking at your home and your project room by room. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, I actually introduced Kate there, so make sure you check out that episode as well. Uh, we also had another guest, Kyle Marked, on that episode. It's a fantastic one if you're interested in sustainability and wellness for your home. And uh, in this episode, we have Kate just on her own. And Kate is an architect with her own business, Balanced Architecture, and she's a specialist in how our homes can be designed to support our health and well-being. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. As I said, we met Kate in last week's episode, but if you haven't listened to that already, I'll just give you a quick rundown on Kate's experience and background and also how her personal experience led to the type of work she does with homeowners today. So as I said, Kate is the owner and architect at Balanced Architecture and she's a licensed architect and a sustainability expert and she's based in the USA. Balanced Architecture is a residential design studio that puts wellness and sustainability at the heart of every project. And Kate is also the founder of Balanced Home, Balanced Life. And this is a, an amazing online resource that helps and teaches homeowners how to create healthy homes of their own that support their well-being and lifestyles in a sustainable way. She also has her own online course called Designed for Wellness, and that can help you create your own healthy home. And she's also got package services for you to get advice and architectural support along your journey. Kate actually says on her own website, I started on the path of wellness design in 2015 and haven't looked back. When I first went back to work after having my son in 2014, the struggle to manage it all definitely hit me hard. There was stress at work, stress at home, minimal sleep and so much to do. I think we can all identify with that, can't we? She said, I barely made my way through that first year and I knew something needed to change. I needed to find calm in my life as a working mum. Since I wasn't able to do too much about the stress at work, I decided to look at what was causing stress in my home. And then I realised that the house I was coming home to was not set up for providing wellness. It was actually hindering mine and my family's health and happiness. I went to work making small adjustments to my home that had a big impact on our health and wellness. Within a few months, I was seeing changes in my mood. I was eating better. I was getting a better night's sleep. I was more productive at work. And most importantly, the time I spent with my family improved dramatically. Creating a home that promoted wellness was a lifesaver for my happiness, my relationships and my sanity. Isn't that fantastic? I love how people can share their knowledge from that place of experience of seeing how it's worked for themselves. And particularly with Kate, with her architectural expertise and her knowledge, she has a lot to offer in how you can do this really practically in your home. You know, Kate's got over a, a decade of architectural design experience and she has the expertise to guide families towards the creation of a home that they will fall in love with all while keeping them safe and encouraging a healthy lifestyle. And she's also got this great resource for the Undercover Architect community to access online. So I'll share the link for that after our interview. Let's dive into it now. 
Well, Kate, it's so great to have you here again because I know how much knowledge you have around uh, this idea of creating, building or renovating or remodeling a home for to support your health and wellness and the unique approach that you have in terms of it being a holistic approach to design, construction, material selection, you know, all of these different facets that come from both your experience and your knowledge uh, from the wellness standards, but also as an architect. So I'm really excited to be sharing some more nitty gritty information uh, on how people can implement this in their home. So we're going to be doing a bit of a room by room analysis. And uh, this is literally going to scratch the surface of I know what you can share with your community, with your with your members in your course. And, um, and that's also on your website. So I really encourage people to check out Kate and I'll pop the links in the resources because there's just Oh, this just it's fantastic. I'm just so excited to have somebody who's speaking about this for people who are remodeling and building. So can you start, we're just going to go through room by room, looking at sort of the major rooms and areas of the home and how some of the things to think about when it comes to designing a home for uh, your health and your wellness. So if, I'll just let you kick off and take me through the house. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I always like to start with the entry because that's where we're coming into our home. So um one of the main things I like to point out with the entry is having a seating area, which seems so simple, but we want to, when we're designing our entryway, we want to make sure we're incorporating a place for people to be able to sit down and take their shoes off. Um, and the whole reason behind this <laughs> is because when we, uh, you know, when we walk in, our shoes are probably covered with dirt and that dirt is just not as, innocent as we may think it's not just dirt it's all of the uh, pollutants all the chemicals the heavy metals the um, bacteria that we've been walking on throughout the day whether it's on the asphalt paving you know the pesticides that are getting sprayed around buildings on grass like animal waste it's just it's really gross what is on the bottom of our shoes and when we don't take our shoes off when we walk into our home we're spreading all those toxins all over the house. And, oh. you know, so when, <laughs> yeah, Just so I know, about it. <laughs> I started, I started with a good one, I guess. Because <laughs> everybody gross. I apologize for that. But uh, yeah, so it's gross, but it's really important. So it's like, and it's funny because uh, probably just uh, you know, a few years ago, that didn't even cross my mind. I I thought, well, whatever, it's dirt. Like we play in dirt, it's fine. But the more I heard about what is actually in that dirt, and then it's getting all over our house, it was a really big deal to just take your shoes off. And this is really important. Uh, I mean, especially important when you have kiddos that you know they're playing on the floor or they're sitting on the floor. Whatever they're doing, they are have the closest contact to these toxins and their little bodies are they're growing and developing and so it really impacts them the most so for no other reason take your shoes off because your kiddos are getting really affected by the the toxins that are in your dirt um so by having a seating area it just encourages you and your family members and your visitors to just plop down and take your shoes off and you know alongside that you would have an entry mat where all the dirt is getting collected when at first, when you first walk into the house, you you know clean your feet off, sit down, the entry mat is still under your feet, and all that dirt just stays right there and it doesn't get spread around your house. Uh, so that's really important. And when you're 
thinking about, um, you know, the design of your entryway, you want to make sure you're designing enough space to have either you could do a built-in bench and built-in benches are awesome because now you're also incorporating um, storage. So you're helping with the clutter and all the organizational things you need to do in an entryway. You can you know start combining uses for it. If you don't have that much space, um, just make sure you have enough space for either a couple chairs or a small bench, something that just allows you and multiple people to be sitting down. And if you have little kids, make sure there's some that are their sized so they're not on the floor taking their shoes on and off because, again, it's gross that they're on the floor with that dirt. And then they also become a tripping hazard. So you don't want that to be tripping over your kids when you're all getting ready in the morning or coming home at the end of the day. So uh, that's that's um, a simple one, but it's where I like to start because it's what really sets the mood for the whole house and uh, gets you get your house in a a good place so yeah that makes such a significant it is it's such a simple thing and it makes such a significant difference I know that you know mud rooms have become such a a more common thing here in Australia and I know in the states they've all, they've generally been an inclusion particularly in places with colder climates where they've acted as a bit of an airlock into the house but oftentimes you know if your budget doesn't extend to it or the space doesn't extend to it you don't actually need a whole separate space you can just have that additional functionality a slightly wider hallway in your entry space and then provide all that additional functionality and it be the opportunity to be that collection point for all of that clutter in an organized way that immediately then gives you sanity that it's not all being traipsed through the house and uh and there it's that habit too isn't it of building in that process of kids this is where our stuff goes this is what we do this is where we put it we put the school bags down in Australia we, we have to send our kids to school with lunch so then they pull the lunch boxes out you know all of that kind of thing the school notes the homework all that stuff it just becomes like the the way that the space is designed and furnished builds in the habits of the lifestyle that then means that we're organized and it's not chaotic and you know so it's 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 it is it's such a simple thing but so many homes overlook it so it's great that that's where we've started so I love it because I can already see how much sanity it would provide for people so yeah yeah I mean yeah and I have a four-year-old and he comes home after school and is able to hang up his coat and put his shoes in the right place and they're simple little things but he does it so it's not all over the floor and you know it's not just clutter that we're all now having to look at and deal with or trip over so yeah just very little simple things that the whole family can very easily figure out how to do so yeah. And not bringing that dirt into the house, you know, it's just and that meant that makes cleaning easier and no, we know that we're not bringing those toxins in. So I actually remember there being a study about um, public toilets and that the dirtiest, like they, they basically did swabs on a whole heap of users after they, um, it was female users after they used a public toilet and they were basically swabbing down all of their clothing and everything like that to see what was the most sort of, um, I suppose, germ-ridden part of them after being to the bathroom and it was the bottom of their handbags because they were sitting their handbags on the floor um in the toilet oh. cubicle and 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 I've always so I've always been really intent when I go into a public toilet that I look for somewhere to hang my handbag but um having heard that but the bottom of their shoes like that's that's exactly the same situation they're walking around on so it's yeah I think they obviously didn't swab the bottom of their shoes in that scenario <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so where it's do we, gross but helpful to know that yeah, kind of stuff that's no, fantastic so where do we go to after the entry uh, so there, from there, I go to the kitchen, and the kitchen is the kitchen and the bedroom are to me the two most important home, uh, rooms in the house to focus on when you want to be designing a home for wellness, because as we know, for most of us, 
so much happens in the kitchen. It's, you know, it's really where we all gather whenever there's parties or family over, we all seem to end up in the kitchen and that's fantastic. Um, but we want to make sure our kitchens are really set up to encourage healthy eating, to be, um, you know, having all those people gathering so that it's a social kitchen. It's, you know, easily used as a social kitchen. It's not uncomfortable for people. It's inviting. So we're actually happy to be in the kitchen. So it's full of life and air and just, um, you know, very comfortable, happy space to be in. So all those things are drawing us into the kitchen. And then once we're there, we want to make sure it's laid out correctly. And by this, we're actually looking like on the floor plan, how to lay out your kitchen. So how your, your um, counter space is going to be used, where you're going to be putting the sink and the stove and, um, you know, and all your prep areas. So I really like to start with the layout and specifically the prep zones, because uh, when you're when you're starting to create um, healthy foods and just to have a more healthy, nourishing lifestyle, it is a bit more work to be eating and prepping all of those fresh, healthy fruits and veggies. Um, and when you do that, you want to make sure you're in a space that makes it as easy as possible to be prepping and spending that extra time in the kitchen. So the layout in those prep zones is really important. So a couple of things I um, just like people to keep in mind when they're laying out the kitchen, it doesn't matter if the kitchen is big or small, you can fit a couple prep zones in your kitchen. And I like to have a main prep zone and a secondary prep zone. And this is because I want to encourage multiple people to be working in the kitchen at one time. This is the social aspect. This is going to make you happier when you're working in the kitchen, as long as you're not running into each other, because that would be irritating. Uh, so that's part of the consideration of the layout. But it's bringing people together, cooking together. It's bringing, if you have uh, your kids at home when you're cooking, bringing them into the process. So at an early age, they're learning how to prep and eat healthy foods. Also, with when kids are cooking food, they are um, making their food and then they're just more excited to eat it. <laughs> so they have this pride in what they have just created. And so they're excited to eat this healthy food. So it's a really cool uh, process to get your kids and your whole family involved. Um, so that's, that's why I like having the two prep zones. It also helps having two prep zones if you are doing a big batch meal prepping. And this is really helpful if you're a very busy person and you don't have time every night to come home after work and cook uh, a big healthy meal. So if you can spend a couple hours one evening or one afternoon on a weekend and, um, you know, just batch prep, basically, even if it's just chopping and cooking a whole bunch of veggies, getting those all ready, um, it just makes your weeknights easier, it makes throwing together those healthy meals so much easier and, and relieves that stress from you when you come home at the end of a busy day don't have to run into the kitchen and be like, oh God, I have to do this. It's just so much easier. So I love batch prepping and having two prep zones helps that. <laughs> um, so what I like to um, keep in mind when you have, it doesn't matter the layout of the kitchen either, whether you have like an L-shaped kitchen, so it's a corner kitchen, or you have um, more, which is becoming more trendy as an open concept. So your kitchen, your living and your dining are all kind of one in one big room and 
a lot of times in that case, you have, um, you know, one big long counter against the wall, and then you have an island in front of that. So no matter what your setup is, you can easily incorporate these two prep zones. Um, what I like to say with the main prep zone is you want to make sure it's between your sink and your stove, your cooktop. This is really important because those are the two main things you're going to be using as you're prepping your healthy meals. So as you're cooking or prepping all your veggies, you want to be right next to the sink so that you're, you can easily wash your veggies down and then chop some and then rinse your knife or your cutting board off. So you, you're interacting with your sink all the time, right? And then once you start to cook, you're interacting with the stove. So that's the perfect place to put it is the main prep zone is between your sink and your um, cooktop and have at least, I, I like to have at least four feet length of counter space there that just, um, you can go a little bit smaller. I actually, we have a really small house still that we're living in. We just renovated our house or our kitchen and I have about three and a half feet. And I'm used to living in small spaces. It works. It, you know, it's everything's nice and close by. So three and a half feet is enough. But if you can go four foot length or a little bit longer, that's perfect. Um, and yeah, so that just gives you that room to to be doing everything you need to do right where you are and not have to be, you know, running all over the place where you're trying to cook something on the stove and then you're running across the kitchen to do to get to the sink. It just it's going to cause you irritation. It could cause accidents. Um, so it's not it's not ideal. So having those right together is great. And in that same space, having your a drawer right by your sink, as I know this is a very popular thing to do now. So you're probably incorporating this anyway, but just having a drawer that pulls out right by your sink that is your compost, trash, recycling drawer, and just having that right there so you can scrape off all those food scraps right into the compost is just makes everything so much easier. So that's the main prep zone. And then the secondary prep zone, I like to have, so if you have a sink in the middle of a length of um, counter to have your secondary prep zone on the other side of your sink. And this way you're separating the two zones enough. So if two people are working together, they're not going to be running into each other. And that's obviously the most irritating thing when two people are trying to be, you know, working in the kitchen together, you don't want to be running into each other because you're just going to get annoyed and it's not going to be a helpful situation. And it could also lead to accidents or injuries or whatever. So keeping that distance is good, but allowing both preppers access to that sink um, being close by is really useful. So if you can get the prep zone on the other side of the sink, that's a great place for it. And then again, having it try to be at least four feet long is also helpful. And um, yeah, so that's, that's, those are the two prep zones. There is so much more that goes into just the layout of the kitchen. I could talk about it forever. I know, it's, I, I it's, it's one of those areas. Here, yeah, it's one of those areas, isn't it? Because there's so much that does go into the design of a kitchen to facilitate being able to move around it easily, being able to, you know, the thing of like being able to unpack from the dishwasher easily into the cutlery drawer or putting your plates away and your glassware and, you know, rinsing from the sink and putting that into the dishwasher or filling a pot and going to the to the stove. Something that I've seen in American homes that we don't necessarily have here is 
a tap over the cooker, the cooktop or the cooker so that you can directly fill a pot at the cooker, which um, just for me as an Australian and something we don't do sends off alarm bells of having water directly over electricity. But it's, <laughs> it's obviously something that's fairly customary there, whereas here it's we look at how we locate the, the cooktop and the sink so they're not street stations away from each other so that you can, you know, fill a heavy pot and take it over to the cooker without it being too much of a drama. I often encourage homeowners if they're doing that, we do a lot of open plan design of the kitchen living, kitchen dining living in the one sort of space. And so we have a lot of open kitchens with the island bench. And I really encourage homeowners to keep the sink out of the island bench because I find then um, the island bench sort of becomes another table. It becomes the homework zone. It becomes, you can stand there. So it's great that idea of having I'd never thought of it of having my prep space close to my cooktop and my sink. I think I've just done that by instinct in terms of how I design. But from yeah, it's really it's that thing of like for me standing at the island bench, prepping there, looking out whilst the kids are doing things, and you can keep an eye on them. But you've literally got the cooktop and the sink over your shoulders so that you can turn around easily. You're not stepping right across the kitchen, as you say, or you're dripping, you know, cleaned vegetables across the floor to get them to where you need them to be. So it's it's amazing, isn't it? You just it's only I think as a designer you just you do do these things instinctually it's only when you start to try to explain to somebody this is why we do it this way you realize how much thought process goes into the allocation of those spaces three and a half feet for those in metric is just over a meter four feet's 1.2 meters so um so yeah they're great sort of indications for and I suppose you don't necessarily need to think about that all being in one run do you if you're doing an L it can be part of that incorporation of how the L design is or like that notion of having it on an island but the cooktop and the sink just behind you in terms of how it works yeah exactly yeah awesome okay and as as you say there would be loads more um in your course and there's also i know that there's some really helpful stuff on your website about kitchens and countertop selections for for wellness and kitchen design for wellness you've done a whole series of stuff on there so i really encourage people to check out more information on your website we'll pop all the links um in the resources as well so okay where to next Okay, so next I'll go to the living room because after you're in the kitchen, you probably will be spending your time in the living room. Um, so the few things I want to talk about there is, uh, the first thing I'll talk about is having operable windows. And I know previously previously I've talked about the air quality and how um, you know our inside air is generally so much more polluted than our outside air. So just opening up our windows, especially if we don't have a well mechanically ventilated house, opening up the windows really brings in that fresh air. And it basically is, you know, can be flushing your house. If, um, if you have a lot open and you have certain exhaust, um, things going, you can, you can flush your house with getting some oxygen in there. So you're replacing the stale CO2 filled air, and you're also flushing those toxins out. Um, so it's a good thing to be able to have operable windows. And the reason I talk about this is because in modern design, I'm seeing more and more fixed windows go into living rooms, fixed meaning they just can't open. And it's, you know, it's so, it's nice to have fixed windows because, or picture windows, because if you have a big view or a nice view you want to look at or some uninterrupted look you're going for you get really clean lines with with fixed windows uh, so i understand why they're going into more modern homes but you always want to make sure you still have operable windows 
in your living spaces. You want to get that fresh air in. And it's not just, you know, the getting the toxins out is important, getting that fresh air in, getting the oxygen in is important. Um, but it's also about having that connection to nature. And humans really thrive on a connection to nature. And this just isn't like, you know, oh, we think we need it anymore. Like they've done studies. We know that it really, it makes us happier and it actually will speed up recovery times when we're sick. So we need that connection and we're seeing the, you know, the implications of not having it with, as our cities grow and more people are living in the cities. And, um, so we know we need it. If we have our windows open, whenever we can, we're getting that connection through the sounds outside, through the smells outside, through the air coming in and uh, just feeling it. So we want to be able to open the windows. <laughs> That's really key. And then also another great thing, um, you know, in certain times of the year, when you don't necessarily need to have the air conditioning on, it's maybe, you know, not quite hot enough where you want to seal your, your house shut because, um, you know, you just don't quite need it yet. If you have a few windows that can open up in your living room, you create this wonderful cross breeze through your house and you're creating natural ventilation. So you're saving energy, you're feeling cooler. You don't, you don't need to rely on that mechanical cooling quite yet. So it's, you know, you want that flexibility in a living space. Uh, so that is, that uh, that is something I always want people to be putting in to to their living rooms. They don't, you know, it's not code required, but from a human aspect, from a connection, and from getting that fresh air in, we really want to make sure we're not losing that ability to open up the windows. Um, so that's a big one. And then the other thing, going along the lines of bringing nature in. That's another thing I really like to focus on in living room design. And this is, I, I like this because it's fun. Um, as I've said, we want that connection to nature. It makes us happier. It makes us calmer. So in a house designed for wellness, we want to be in a calm environment. We don't want our house to cause us stress. So if we're bringing things in that is is relieving the stress and just making us feel calm and fantastic, especially if it's in the living room after the end of the day, after, you know, cooking dinner and whatever, you know, just having that time in the living room to chill out and be surrounded by natural objects is fantastic. And it's not just about opening windows and um, it's not even just about bringing in houseplants. That's a great way to do it. But there are so many other ways to bring in nature without, you know, having to have houseplants. I would always recommend having houseplants as a good place to start, but you don't need to have, you know, it doesn't have to be a, um, a whole gigantic garden in your house. You can have a couple and, and have a nice, you know, greenery connection there. But you can also um, bring in like things like a tree stump that is your coffee table or wind chimes that are made from seashells. Um, you could even have like, uh, your, um, wallpaper can be this nature themed wallpaper where it has trees on it or flowers or just something that is, um, triggering your connection to nature. 
And I would always recommend if you are putting up wallpaper, do not use vinyl wallpaper. They have non-vinyl wall coverings you can use that are healthier for you and for the environment. Um, they're certainly out there. And then also paint colors, like just having greens and yellow or uh, greens and blues on your wall is a great way to to feel um, bring that connection to nature into your house. And it'll just help you feel calmer and relax at the end of a long day. Yeah, that's the lovely ideas. And it wouldn't have even occurred to me that there's ways that, you know, that those elements and surrounding yourself with natural fibers and materials and things of nature can make such a significant difference. It's amazing when you do start to read the research about how essential that connection to nature is for our health and well-being and the difference it does make and that you know that um comment about it improving uh recovery times the the research that was done where one group of patients were looking out at a brick wall and one group of patients were actually looking out at a natural landscape and they monitored the improvement in their in their recovery and how much faster it was for those that were looking out onto a natural landscape so it's 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 something that i think we you know when we escape to the a regional location or rural location or we even go to the park we know we can feel it but then we come back to our homes and we're sort of locked in these boxes and we don't really connect the two that it's like oh that was really nice to do on the weekend and get out and about but it's like actually no let's think about what we can do in our homes to try and live like that every day so I'm very fortunate where I live because I live on almost 80 acres so it's um oh, wow. yeah it's something that I <laughs> I've you know we've been here almost um five years and I just now take for granted but I know that um it's it is it's such a all I have to do is walk outside take a few couple of deep breaths and have my feet in the grass and all of a sudden my you know stress levels lower and that type of thing so I love that idea in Australia we have to our living spaces for them to be deemed living spaces have to have natural light and natural ventilation so it's yeah it's something um, but I do I do know that um, notion of those big picture windows that you're talking about you do see them in a lot more contemporary homes and it does limit then your ability to break them up and obviously have that um, ventilation but it's always useful to have opening windows on two opposing walls or two adjacent walls to be able to draw that breeze through and make sure that you're getting that cross ventilation working it's an instant house temperature moderator isn't it to not without having to put on an air conditioning unit so yeah Kate, I can't thank you enough. You are just a wealth of information and knowledge when it comes to uh, to all of this subject matter around creating a home that supports your health and wellness. I'm going to have all of the links. Uh, you've got a seri- You've got your, your your own online course. You've got um, mm-hmm. a series of productized services. So you could be anywhere in the world and work with Kate in terms of uh, getting advice on how to design a home to support your wellness. And there's some really fantastic services that Kate can work with you to to understand better about how this can help your home and your family and your lifestyle overall and so I really encourage you to check out the resources that Kate's provided and she's also got a huge amount of free information on her blog as well so thank you so much it's been such a pleasure to talk with you and I'm really grateful for your time and knowledge yeah thank you so much I had a blast thanks Amelia What a wealth of knowledge and information, hey? I love especially how Kate has shown that it's possible to do this type of thing wherever you live, whether you're simply renting, you're building or you're renovating, you're living in your kind of just for now home whilst you're waiting to create your forever home, you know, and then all all it takes is to start with some small, simple steps. Now, Kate's got loads of really helpful information on her website. She uh, is about to start her own podcast and she's got the online course and package services as well. And the special resource that she's created 
created for the UA community, you can find at www.balancedhomebalancedlife.com forward slash undercover architect. So I'll pop all of those links in the show notes uh, and on the blog on Undercover Architects website. Head there and you can find links on how to find Kate, grab that resource, get in touch with her wherever you're based. And you can check out, you know, some of her blogs and extra information. She's got a lot of really great detail there that is super helpful. And if you found this interview helpful, I'd really love it if you could reach out and let her know. I know my guests always love hearing feedback from the UA community about how their knowledge has helped you. Now, if you're thinking about renovating or building your family home, you're already researching and planning, or you're even in the design stages, you're going to want to check out the online courses I have called How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home and the Welcome Home course. So How to Get It Right is tailored for Australian homeowners. And in the Welcome Home course, I team up with award-winning American architect, Eric Reinholdt, to create a specific course for American homeowners. Both courses They take you through my step-by-step system from the very start to the very finish of your renovation or building project. And I'll explain a bit more about that in a minute. Look, as Undercover Architect has grown as an online business, I really love being able to reach and connect with homeowners from all corners of the globe. I've got almost 25 years industry experience in design, building and renovating in Australia. And what I've found is that this step-by-step system of mine for any renovation or new building project, the one that I've been using in client projects and in my own projects for all of that time, when I actually teach this system to you, you like... What I see time and time again is how it can help you as a homeowner save time, money and stress in your project. And so that's what these courses do. When you have the steps to follow, the map for your journey ahead, you can then move confidently towards that future home that you're dreaming of and not waste any time or money. When you know that that step-by-step system has been created over decades of experience in hundreds of hundreds of family homes like yours, you can save so much stress in your project and create a home that works and feels great. And when you have the steps, as well as the professional know-how, design knowledge, tools, resources, and guides, you can seriously shortcut your journey. You can enjoy your experience and you can avoid the heartache and drama so many endure. If you're keen to make your journey simpler, be confident in the home that you're creating is actually achievable and know the steps to get you there, these online courses are the way. In them, I've literally packaged up what is in my head and my heart from almost 25 years experience to show you the way to your future family home. Do you want to learn more about the courses? Well, if you're an Aussie, if you're an Australian homeowner, head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash get it right. And if you're an American homeowner, head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash welcome home and you'll be able to find out all the information about each of those courses there and I've got a special bonus for the gorgeous UA community podcast listeners this is the first time I've ever done this actually just use the code podcast all right the word podcast you have to type it in to the coupon code when you go through and buy you'll immediately access $50 off okay so you'll get a $50 saving when you use the coupon code podcast so those links again are Australians undercoverarchitect.com forward slash get it right and americans undercoverarchitect.com forward slash welcome home as always thank you so much for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally until next time bye